0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Refuel Team Fairchild podcast. Our goal with this podcast is for Team Fairchild to get to know each other, our support programs, and to increase our sense of community and development. Every episode, we will be sitting down with people from around the base and learning about them and their keys to success. All right, everybody, welcome back to the next episode of Refuel Team Fairchild. Today, we are sitting down with Staff Sergeant Kofi Duhaji, who is one of Colonel Bentley's execs, uh, wing admin execs up at the wing uh, headquarters building. Sergeant Duhaji, how are you doing today?
1: Pretty good, Sergeant Barrett. Yeah? Uh, It's a great opportunity, a great honor for me to be on the show today.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Um, I'm excited about this one. Uh, Up to this point, I've really just been uh, interviewing, you know, chiefs and commanders on the base, which is fun, but I'm really excited to get down and get into your story because uh, you and I have talked a little bit before this, and I feel like you have a pretty exciting story and a pretty long journey, really, to get over to where you are right now. Thank you. Um, and have done a lot of neat things along the way, in my opinion. So I really am excited to get this story out to the base and let everybody else hear hear who, about who you are and, and where you came from. So with that being said, let's get right into it. Tell us, tell us about your story. How did you get to where you are today?
1: Well, uh, long story short. I was born and grew up in Togo, West Africa. I was born in a small village called Afanya, uh, where, you know, I shared a bunch of memory with my siblings. Mm-hmm. And Now, when you say uh,
0: small village, how, how, how big, how many people live in a small village over there? I
1: would say somewhere from uh,
0: 200 to 400. Okay. So, yeah, that is pretty small. Yes. Well, how, how big. Is the village? I mean, I know this is kind of an odd question, but I'm just—I'm a curious fellow, so I'm going to ask you a lot of questions like this, like square mile-wise. How, how big would a village like that be?
1: Um, that would be like um, a few, just a few hundred miles square. Okay pretty small village. Yeah. Uh, surrounded by huge farms, though. Okay. But the livable area is pretty small. Maybe okay. Maybe just a little over the size of Fairchild. Okay.
0: So the actual spot where everyone's houses were, where everyone lived daily, yes. is just a little bit bigger than Fairchild. Yes. Surrounded yes. by farms. Yes. And what, what types of crops do those farms grow? Uh,
1: corn, uh, pepper, tomatoes, and a, a bunch of mangoes. Mm-hmm orange and stuff like that
0: okay wow
1: awesome all right sorry so <laughs> let's get get you back on your story so you grew up in Togo and uh, yes I grew up there uh, went to high school in a a, a smaller town called Anejo uh, with my my older sister mm-hmm. and then we moved out we moved out there she decided she wanted to go back home I was like nope I'm not going back <laughs> You know, I was dreaming, I was looking at bigger things. I wanted to achieve bigger things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to move on to uh, Lomé, which is the capital of Togo. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, called my dad. I was like, hey, dad, uh, your dad had a house in Lomé, right? He's like, yeah, my, you know, uh, step brothers and sisters still live there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, can they get me a place to live at there? He's like, I'll see. And then I went ahead, talked to my uncle. He's like, Yeah, we've got a room uh, Uh for you. Okay. And I moved to Lome then. After
0: high school. So take me through high school a little bit. So you, just you and your sister were living in, um, I apologize if I butcher these, but Anaho? Anaho, yeah. We were, were living you, there.
1: Were you with any parents, or was it just nope. the two of you? No, uh, it was just just my older sister and me. We were both minor uh-huh. at the time, uh, but uh, so minors can. I mean, assuming you were living in like a, some
0: sort of a flat or apartment building.
1: Um, it, I wouldn't call that. It's just like a, um, What to put that? Just a few rooms. Uh-huh. I think we had uh, in that house. Uh, I would say we had about seven rooms, mm-hmm. and you that know, you know and your sister, sister lived in. Yes, we we just in one room. Uh, you get in the room, you have a bed right here. Uh-huh. You have a table and a chair to study at, and we studied at a candlelight. There uh-huh. was no electricity. There was no running water. Okay, there there was nothing. There was just a bed. Uh, there was a and when I'm talking about about a bed, I mean. Uh, It was a bed that my dad, my dad is a nurse, Mm -hmm. so he got this old metal bed from the hospital Mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, right now I can barely fit on. Mm -hmm. And we just brought that over with us. And uh, we had that. We had a little stove on the side and a table to study and sometimes we'll go out in the in the uh, the town or in the high school uh, uh, compound mm-hmm. and then use public light to study. Okay, wow.
0: So you, you basically lived in a seven-room complex, but you only had one of the rooms. And you guys were minors, so you can rent a room as a minor over there?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, just, I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, over here... I, I no, no one at our ID or anything no one like had, that. Okay. And, you know, it was... Uh, What what is what age are you not considered a minor anymore in Togo? Uh, eighteen years old. Eighteen years, okay. Yeah, eighteen. You're an adult from there. Okay. well. So So, we we stayed there, and the rent I think was uh around maybe fifteen bucks, but one
0: fifteen like one five. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Fifteen bucks. How how are you guys paying
1: that? Uh, our dad would send money. Mm. Uh, you know, whenever he can, whenever he could. Um, he did his best, but, uh, one time we couldn't pay our rent and we got put out right before our final exam. <laughs> so, um, we had to choose whether we are going to waste the whole year we fought for or whether we were going and I, I decided I would risk it and then I broke the window, <laughs> went in there, Grab our uniform and all our books and stuff. And we stayed at a friend's mm-hmm. to, to maybe for uh, five to six days to complete our final exam. Oh, wow. and, and then we, we went back to the village. Um, and I, I think, you know, just the drive because I wanted to change, you know, the whole thing about myself, my family, my legacy. Mm-hmm. And I was so driven by, the idea that, you know, one day I would be able to afford visiting the United States that I decided, you know, if they are going to cut me and put me in jail because I went into the room I was paying for and grabbed my own things and my belongings, then so be it. Well, wow. uh, So two questions out of that. Um, was, was there not
0: a high school in uh, F, F and Young? No, no, there was no high school in our village. Okay, then, and then second question is, uh, so all of that was because you wanted to one day just visit America. So what? What was? What was it about America at that time that made you
1: take when those was, risks? When, <laughs> when I, I was, that's pretty risky. When I was twelve years old, <clears throat> I watched this documentary uh, on JFK. And I fell in love with the culture, with the country, with the history, with the people. And I was just blown away by mm-hmm. how amazing the, 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 United States is. And ever since then, I wanted, I, I have some hidden, you know, drive in me that mm-hmm. I kept personal. That w- was like the fuel I used to, to drive through life. Um, But uh, that was one of the most important things that kept me going. And I thought to myself, well, if I can go to school, then I can get a job. And then if I get a job, I can save money and be able to visit the United States someday. So your first first dream was just to visit, was never to move here. I was just wanting to visit. Okay. Yes. And um, my dad used to sing a lot in the choir. And... I grew a passion for music, Mm -hmm. and my dad wanted nothing, wanted me to have nothing to do with music for some reason. And long story short, one day he told me, we we got into pretty huge disagreement. And one day he told me, uh, he even stopped at some point providing me. Because of my passion for music, mm-hmm. and one day he told me, "You will end up a bistro singer, singer begging for a penny. You won't go far, mm-hmm. you know." And that was something I used like as a springboard, you know, to better myself because I know exactly what I wanted yeah. not to be, and I kept those two things internal mm-hmm. and used those to drive myself and to to use that to know where I want to go. I know it's it might be, you know, a silly goal, but that kept me going, you know, like, yes, I just want to visit the United States. I want to be able to afford a ticket and and visit the United States. And that actually helped me a lot. And I knew... I didn't want to become a bistro singer begging for <laughs> <but> a penny. <laughs> yeah, so so two so those two things are what drove you. So and that, that
0: let's let's get into that. So you graduate high school. Thankfully, you didn't get arrested at the time. <laughs> I did <laughs> not. In. I did um, not. And and uh, you know just with that alone, man, like that that's uh, that's awesome that you that you saw the uh, value in the education and you
1: thought this is worth it. and I'm gonna I'm going take that it. chance. My and sister then, was crying. Yeah. She's like, we don't have to do this. I'm like, I am doing it. You stay away. Yeah. If anything happens, it's on me. Yeah. And then I kept her away. I went there, got in, grabbed our uniform for school, grabbed our books and pens and pencils, and got out. Wow. That's really big of you, man. So... Uh, so after high school, what what happened after that? After that, uh, high school high school was pretty tough because mm-hmm. uh, our dad would uh, probably somewhere from twenty to twenty five bucks a month for us to live on, and in Togo, that that's then that's a lot. You know, it, it, it could do a lot, but so twenty
0: five bucks a month. Sorry, I, I, that, that just hit me. So twenty five bucks a month. Yes. So 15 of that went to your rent. Yes. And, and then, then, the, then the other 10, you guys spent on food, and that lasted food and all everything.
1: month? Food, soap to wow. to, to shower okay. with. And then uh, it, it couldn't, that's not much, mm-hmm. you know, for two people going right. to school. But fortunately, we had a lot of farms around. Mm-hmm. We lived on mangoes for a long time. Oh, yeah. There, there are some... Huge mango trees in the area of Anejo that was actually brought by the German, Uh and uh, they kind of were for everyone to 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 have. So you just walk up. So we just wake up early enough, like four three thirty a.m., so that we have the best mango, pick the best one from Mm the the ground, and we just kept those mangoes and leave off of it and you
0: did that for a whole year not just we we
1: we did that for three years three years okay and then after that my sister was like you know she wasn't sure if she want to keep because when you're back in the village you know that's where our parents live and you always have something on the table to eat Mm -hmm. but when we are far away they will have to to send us food and all that. Sometimes it takes time to get to us Yeah, and she didn't want to deal with all those anymore and she wanted back to the village and I just, you know. You um, you weren't going back? No, I I wasn't going back. So I just moved to Lome and it was even tough. I would have some time, one meal in three to five days. Oh wow. It was pretty tough. Yeah. but eventually i started singing in nightclubs to to make some money Mm -hmm. i would go help people on construction uh projects to just you know carry some uh, concrete blocks and Mm -hmm. whatnot uh, just to make some money Um, and i did that for a a while while, while i was going to high school and on the side when i was growing up i also liked to do stuff to t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I would draw uh, draw on t-shirt, throw paint on t-shirt. Okay. So that also helped me start a, uh, start a youth club business. Mm-hmm. And then I was doing that, going to nightclubs. I would get out of nightclubs, singing, uh, and get out there, go to uh, uni- to college. Uh, and after my classes, I will go back to this type of flea market mm-hmm. and get some used clothes come back to the house you know do some stuff to them to make them look cool yeah and then i'll go out and sell so that's how i was able to pay for wow. college when did you sleep whenever i could whenever you could yeah okay <laughs> whenever that's, whenever that's a could. lot
0: man <laughs> wow okay uh so how so college is
1: is four years over there uh, depending on your degree, okay. is somewhere from three to five three years. Three to five. How, yeah. how was your, what degree did you My, get? I, I got a degree in civil engineering and mine was five years. Five years. Okay, yes. wow.
0: Okay, so after you get your, your
1: civil engineering degree, what, so, was, what uh, came next? Two, two years into college, studying civil engineering, I got a job on the side and I transferred from uh, day to, to night. And classes classes mm-hmm. yes and I was able to work and then I'll go uh, to work during the day and at night I'm in class mm-hmm. so um, I did that the remain the remainder of uh, my five years in college and as soon as I got done I started my own company oh, wow. and things turned out pretty good yeah yeah um, How I so- was I was completely transformed from where I started. Mm -hmm. I was able to help my parents change their condition a lot, uh, significantly. And I was able to also get involved into music because I had the financial uh, mean to finance my own music. So I was doing that on the side too. Uh, And, uh, you know, uh, one day in 2013, I think I tried to visit because one of my cousins uh, who is in the army was living in Texas and uh, he was ready to have me here for a couple of months or weeks. Mm. So, and I had, you know, I, I could then afford, afford it. Uh, finally afford to visit my dreamed country. Mm. Uh, but I uh, applied for a visa to visit the United States and got denied. So take me through that process of, of applying and getting denied. Yeah, so... Because I know with,
0: it's a little different for each country. Uh, like that, I know for... for I've traveled to several different countries on leave and you just show up with your passport and they say, yeah, stamp it and thanks, come on in. So, yeah. But yeah. I know for some other countries it doesn't work that way. So how does it work? How does so it work uh,
1: there is uh, this index that, uh, you know, um, um, how, how to put this. They uh, pretty much value all the passport in the world and at some point in time recently i think the united states had the best passport because you can go anywhere mm-hmm. without asking for a visa applying for a visa before. Yeah. it's kind of like uh, an
0: automatic visa when you get yes. there yeah
1: but for some country just like togo where i was living you will have to apply for a visa first uh, going okay. through the embassy of the united states in togo and then the investor will see, hey, uh, is this guy uh, someone we can let into our country, even if he's, he's just going to visit? Mm-hmm. And uh, reason B, among several, uh, some people would come and they will never go, go back again. Right. So the reason why I didn't get my visa then was that I did not have strong ties to Togo for me to be able to visit the United States because there were so many young African, uh, young Togolese, and uh-huh. young people from all over Africa who would come here and will just vanish. So that's crazy though, because you owned your own
0: engineering yes. business yeah. and
1: side music business. And, and, yeah, I, right? I, and wasn't strong I, it though. turned out pretty good. I, <laughs> yeah. I was kind of famous back there. And okay. Uh,
0: so, what would they, what, what? ties did you need then that's kind of yeah weird. that
1: that was something and and, and the letter that. said um i see i still have that letter to to oh, this day yeah, I, I kept it the letter said that i could apply in six months if my condition if i think my condition has changed
0: so that but they, they send you like a list of like here's the here's the things we're looking no, for no
1: that's that was it i would
0: think somebody who owns their own business number one that's pretty i was ties. married
1: my wife and kids yeah. were there but yeah i was denied Oh, wow. And then uh, uh, fast forward we applied uh, to the uh, diversity visa program and uh, it's a program online I think established by Congress in uh, 1996 don't quote me on that well, it's but that uh, <laughs> it is a program it's a program started by Congress to give opportunity to countries uh, in the world who don't have, a big flow of immigration to the United States to be able to afford and have a chance to okay. come here and, and work on a green card.
0: Do so, you,
1: is that something where you need to have the money to get yourself here if approved?
0: Or do they, yes, do they you, you, need,
1: you needed a lot of money okay. just to go through the process. Gotcha. And you, you have to pay, uh, for example, you pay like um, uh, $200 for uh, your interview. Mm-hmm. And there was me, my wife, and my daughter. Okay, so had, per person, yeah, per person. So six hundred bucks just to just to have, just to to have you. yes, to pay for administ- administrative Is that fees refundable.
0: If you don't get picked up, no, no, wow. no,
1: okay. you, you don't get refunded. And then if you don't get the the green card, then it's just you know uh, um, some money you oh. you wasted.
0: So what made you decide that you know visiting? would still be great, but I want to put in for this green card program.
1: So I, I actually... That's a, that's a big leap, man, from yeah. just a couple of
0: weeks of visiting to now you're just going to move here for Yeah, years, and like
1: to be honest with you, moving, uh, applying in the diversity visa program wasn't something I was really serious about. It was just one afternoon, and this lady um, in our neighborhood, she was a big fan of mine, and she's like, dude, you know, you, you are a great singer. I, I don't think so, though. Um, okay. you, you do a lot of things. And she thought uh, that program was, is something I should look into. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I will. Because, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Over time, I was doing pretty good. I was building schools all over Africa. I was traveling all the time. I was in a great condition. I was, at some point, I was the youngest CEO in the West Africa region. And things were great. Yeah. And I just wanted to, you know, visit. But she suggested that and I didn't care. And a couple days later, she came back again. She was like, did you do it? (laughs) <laughs> I'm like fine. I'll do it, and here we are. Yeah, I did sweet. that, and to my biggest surprise, we we got selected. Wow. We went through the process, and everything went just smoothly. and okay. We moved to the United States. We got here on September 27th, uh,
0: 2016. Okay, so not not too So where where did you go when you first got here? We
1: actually went to my uh, cousin in Texas. Texas. Yeah. He was stationed at Bliss okay. in El Paso. El Paso. Yeah, yeah, And we, we stayed with him. Uh, we got there, and you know, with uh, my entrepreneurship uh, minded uh, world I was living in, I, we got to El Paso and I just saw this opportunity to start a new business in landscaping. Mm-hmm. And uh, how I long s-
0: after you got there?
1: I think two weeks. So two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later
0: you're Starting your own landscape business, okay.
1: And uh, because of my passion and my drive for, and, and my admiration for the country, I knew a lot about the United States before <clears throat> moving to the United States. The only thing I didn't know is the language. <laughs> oh wow! So you came here not knowing any English? Um, pretty much. Yeah, or I shouldn't I, even say English. We speak.
0: Uh, so I was stationed <laughs> in English for two years, and we we don't speak. We speak English, but we, it's very different. Anyway, sorry. You know, uh, myself, we people, we
1: studied some English through from from uh, through high school, mm-hmm. uh, but it was just basic thing: how to say your name, how to say thank you, you're okay. welcome. Just basic. What uh,
0: what is the what is the national language spoken spoke in Togo? In
1: Togo, the official language is French. Okay. So, I think in French. French is my first is your primary language. primary language, uh, okay. But we have tons of local dialects.
0: Oh, French or different languages? Different
1: languages. Wow. We have Ewe, we had Wachi, we had Gan, we had Kabia, we had Kotokoli, we had wow. Chocosy, we had. we had so many different language yeah i I don't even know how how is it like that throughout
0: a lot of african countries and i asked that because um on a couple different occasions one of them being at the senior nco academy uh there was a a senior nco from the ugandan air force Mm -hmm. there and there was a couple other senior ncos from different african air forces and i've worked with a couple different african uh air forces and they all like they're they tell me there's like Multiple languages spoken in their country. That is correct. That people just learn as as kids because it's, yeah. it's just it's around them all the time. Yeah. So and it's like that. It's,
1: it's funny when people are amazed when I tell them that I can speak a few languages. Uh, it's funny that they're amazed because that is something pretty common. Uh, yeah. In, in so, I I think that the U.S. school system does a
0: disservice to the students because when when I went to school, I mean, I think I think high schools when they first offered another language for us to speak. It was just English. It's all I taught you. But, you know, we, we live in a country where you got Mexico to the south that speaks Spanish and then mm-hmm. a big portion of Canada up north speaks yeah. French and they don't, like, they don't add that into our language. So, to me, it just, it would make sense to, at least those two should be taught a little bit, like... Well, you
1: know. I think since since the beginning of, you know, the of our kind, I mean, humans, mm-hmm. uh, languages are... Usually based on need. Yeah. When you don't need them, in my personal experience, now that I am striving, like really focused with all my will to master English and get better, my French is getting weird. Getting weird. Sounding <laughs> funny. Okay. Yeah. So when there is no need for you to know a language, yeah. Why would you? You know. Well, I, uh, I
0: just you know being stationed overseas, you know, like going to Germany, a lot of them speak English, German, and French. And that's just a standard, standard, Yeah, um, you know, and then you go, you know, to other countries like Spain. Again, a lot of them speak French, Spanish, uh, some Italian, and then English. So I feel dumb when I go to other countries and they just, (laughs) they just know two or three languages because they just do. Whereas, you know, you get the Americans coming in that, that just don't know any of the languages. And I, I personally think we should do that more in our school system. I think. Agree. It would, it would agree. make people
1: more open.
0: More open, but also just just more intelligent. I think in in, in general. This, this is my opinion. <laughs> I, that's an unpopular opinion. I know people are all the time are like, why would you? You know, why would we do that? But I just after traveling all over the world, you know, I feel like we don't do that enough with our with our students. So anyway, sorry, that was a
1: total side topic. But but yeah, uh, worth talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. We got here in uh, September, uh, just a little before mm-hmm. uh, the election. Um, okay, and that's pretty interesting for me to yeah. to see and you know uh, something I've been reading about mm-hmm. for years uh, to see that in person and to see how uh, you know the vote are done and how everything mm-hmm. if everything is is. It's just great to, to be able yeah. to finally... Well, so, that was your first... Okay, yeah. And, th- and that was a...
0: You know, if, if someone disagrees with me, I apologize for that. But that was a crazy election um, compared to the, the past ones that I've paid attention to. Agreed, I agree, I agree. Because
1: I was tracking... Uh, of course, I wasn't reading all these in <laughs> English. I was kind of pretty crazy about English to, to the point that uh, I, I had this... Uh, uh, nightstand radio uh, in my room when I moved to my granddad's and I glued the knob so it, <laughs> it could be stuck on BBC. Okay. That's how crazy I was about English. Okay, uh, But reading yeah. and following the news, you know, deliberately about the United States, mm-hmm. I was pretty familiar with how uh, yeah. uh, uh, things were different uh, comparing to the 2016 elections. Yeah, I mean, that was the... F- and again,
0: I feel like I paid pretty close attention to previous, you know, 10 years or so once I was pretty, you know, voting age eligible. And I don't remember any other elections being that crazy afterwards to where there was protests and all these things yeah. going on. Um, so that was pretty, pretty interesting. That was your first election here that, that you yeah. saw that. Um, Hopefully other people didn't come and think that's just normally how it goes. <laughs> and this year, it's probably going to be much of the same. So,
1: And something interesting, uh, some interesting fact to me, uh, when I was going through BMT, mm-hmm. I was so surprised how many people uh, like was born here, grew up here, and, and are adult now and never read the Constitution. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> but, you know. Well, you
0: know, in, in, again, in my experience uh people that come here from other countries generally know more about our history first and then more about our laws and constitutions and people that grew up here that's just what i've noticed over the years so to, it's funny that that was seemed weird to you but to me if you were to say that i'm like yeah this is pretty much how, how it goes over here so
1: well and at the same time i do understand i can relate to that imagine being uh the son to elon elon musk yeah you know everyone is going crazy about the guy and his son is like what are you talking about my <laughs> it's dad my dad yeah he's just my dad <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know so <laughs> he he to it, go to bed early. yeah yeah to get you. It, it, it's something that is natural you know yeah um, yeah so probably just but i i do it. think we need to to get more knowledgeable about our, our history Uh, And our constitution, what the foundation, what the founding fighters designed so Mm -hmm. we can carry it on. And so we can avoid repeating things that happened before. Yeah. Um, For that reason, yes, it's important that we deliberately go out there and get into it. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, sorry, we keep getting
0: off track, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, We're having a good conversation. So, you can tell Paso. Two weeks go by and you already start your own business. So I just got to tell you, this is the uh, what the th- third business you've told me about. I've yeah. never even owned one. So <laughs> you are you at this point you've already owned at least three. So that's that's pretty amazing. Um, and so, at what point did you decide you want to join the military?
1: The few after a few weeks we got here. Mm-hmm. After I would say three months, I could see. My future. I could see all the opportunities that are there for me and my mm-hmm. family and my kids. And I just, I just felt so grateful and I wanted to give back. And my friends were like, you just got here. I said, like, <laughs> I know. Yeah. But you know, I do feel genuinely that I want to give back to this country already. Okay. Uh, and fast forward, um, being, a huge fan of airplanes growing back in Afanya where every once in a couple of months you'll have the chance to see an airplane fa- flying over the village. Oh, wow. And I'll just take my neck up and I will look at any airplane we have the chance to fly, to fly over us. I'll look at it until it's completely gone out of view. Wow. Uh, and being a huge fan of all that and JFK and reading about the Vietnam War and all that, mm-hmm. I decided to enlist. And uh, uh, the best place was where I'll be around airplanes. Okay, so there it was I'll always Air Force, Air Force for you then? Yes. Now, uh, just something
0: that popped into my head, because you said you were on a 10-year green card visa. And, yes. and correct me, I, I apologize if I get the terminology wrong. That is like, correct. Like we that, just talked about, yeah. I don't know the process <laughs> uh, in my own country. But um, so did you have to... Because I know, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just watch too much TV. But I know some people come here on green cards have to like prove they have a job in a certain field or anything like that. Did you have to do anything like that? Well, no. For, as, as, as part no. of that, program? As
1: long as you want, you can uh, apply for a job and meet the requirements. Okay. You will get hired. Okay, to, but you didn't to have to like anymore. go anywhere and show that you had employment at this place or anything like no. that. No. Okay. No. Cool. So, so you get to basic training. Walk us Walk us through that. Yeah, basic training was uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I will never forget basic training. Oh yeah, uh, yeah! Not only did I learn a lot, I actually enjoyed being through going through basic training. Yeah. What, while you were doing it? Yes. Okay. And Most people enjoy it when it's done. They they look back I on fond memories. But while you're doing I it, you liked I actually enjoyed it, okay. and my flight. Meets, they thought, my, my wingman thought I was crazy <laughs> because they wanted out. They wanted it to be over. Yeah. And I was just all the time positive. Enjoying you know, the experience. Enjoying this experience. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, bro, we're getting fed <laughs> for free. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, but uh, it was pretty interesting. Uh, my huge challenge when I was going through uh, basic training was the language barrier. Okay, um, so at this point you
0: still weren't hundred percent grasped on the, the language then.
1: We, we won't even talk
0: about fifteen percent. Wow to start with. So I gotta say, so two things on that one. Um I, I used to teach down at BMT. I was not an MTI, but I was a burn instructor. So if you remember the tear gas chamber, oh. I was one of those yeah, I was one yeah. of those guys yeah. <laughs> that would be yelling at you or put you in there, and then when you went out to the beast, if you did any of the Seaburn exercise scenarios, I was I yeah. was one of those instructors yeah. as well. Um it always amazed me of the people that would come in that could not speak English because number one, joining the military is, is a stressful thing that only 1% of our population does. And number two, doing it when you don't really understand everything that's being said. Um, I worked with a guy at BMT who spoke, um, when he came into the military, he spoke no English, just Spanish. Wow. And he would tell me about the experiences and it was just to me, I don't know that I would have ever done anything like that. So it was always, it was always like, uh, Amazing to me when, you know, it would always happen this way. Someone's doing something, you walk up to them and you just put on your instructor face and start yelling at them. And then you very quickly realize they don't understand anything that you're saying. So you had to kind of switch modes from, okay, this person just needs me to calm down and actually like, you know, yeah, not yell I, at them. And, and, I've got to
1: say, uh, you know, this is an, actually an opportunity for me to, to uh, be grateful for the MTIs I had. And the flight I was part of, mm-hmm. they were so supportive that yeah. I did not feel, you know, I, I, I struggled, you know, but I, it was pretty um, hand, something you could handle. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Master Sergeant Gordon and Technical Sergeant Toomey, uh, they ended up getting me a French dictionary, oh, French wow. translation into English dictionary. Yeah. And I was able to use that whenever I couldn't find my word to, to describe what I meant. Yeah. And uh, my flight 313 was just amazing. Every single person was there for me. Yeah. And I was, you know, I had life experience before. I, get, I went mm-hmm. through, I enlisted at 30 years old. Okay. So <laughs> I went through BMT being... I would say smart. i would just look at the kids who were smart in the flight, yeah, and just do what they did. Yeah, (laughs) it was that simple.
0: I'm just I'm I'm trying to put myself in that position. (laughs) I don't know that I would have done that. So I know that's why I would always always. I mean, of course, I'd have my instructor face on, and I would I would expect like you know them to everyone to meet the same goal. But in the back of my head, I was always like, man, that's that's crazy. I would never do anything like that. But good good on you for that's why that's why I'm saying like thank you to me. That was always a. A, a really amazing thing to watch people just fearless and do things like that. So,
1: yeah, my MTIs they, they didn't know in the beginning. And one day, uh, Master Sergeant Gordon was talking to me. I was at attention, and he yelled for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. And after he got done, I was like, "Sir, uh, Trini you report as ordered." And that was. I can't even try to remember how awful, you know, he knew what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, be, and be he's fabulous. like, what I was like, uh, can you repeat that, please? He's like, get away from my face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting and challenging, mm-hmm. but the people, the MTIs and my flight, they made it easy for me. Yeah. yeah. And I'm truly grateful for that.
0: Good. Well, that's you know, yeah, that's awesome, man. So, did you get to go through the oh, the the citizenship ceremony they do with the coin ceremony? Uh,
1: no, I, I I missed it because we didn't <sighs> turn in my paperwork on time. so yeah. I had to get here in oh, Fairchild before uh, I attacked on that okay. and finally got my citizenship uh, in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, September eleventh. Wow. Oh, September eleventh, two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I asked
0: that because, um, that was one of my favorite parts of the coin ceremony was when they would have, uh, the folks who
1: were getting their citizenship come up in front of everybody and they would announce I, I it. I actually, sorry now when that. I think back to it, it was funny because, uh, the people who were getting it, I was so, uh, like I was so frustrated over not being part, a part of that yeah. at, at that time. But, uh, thinking back to it, I think it, it was just, uh, Useless to, to put myself through that feeling because at the end of the day, the minute you, you put on your this uniform to serve and you, you sworn to to serve this constitution, uh, I think that very minute you, you become, you know, mm-hmm. the, the genuine American. Yeah. Being ready to lay your life down mm-hmm. uh, to defend our constitution.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So... After basic training, you what is your actual career field? I know you're not a grand, admin by trade. Transportation Ground transportation by
1: trade. So um, ah so you got to go to to old Fort Leonardwood, Missouri, huh? That's yeah. where that's where my tech school was <laughs> yeah. too, yeah. And <laughs> from there, you know, we had more time and my English was getting better. I was getting uh How did how did you so this guy that I worked with told me that after basic, once he got to tech school,
0: he watched English movies with Spanish subtitles, and that's how he taught himself English. I mean, he didn't know all of it throughout tech school, but toward the end of tech school, I yeah, see no. was better. How did you? How did you do that?
1: Uh, I'm not a big fan of screens, mm-hmm. so I read uh, more okay. than I watch TV. But for some reason, you know, you, not for some reason. Obviously, you cannot learn how to speak a language through books. Mm-hmm. You can learn how to write and read. Okay. Right? So my English, when I first uh I graduated my bachelor's in business mm-hmm. analysis and management mm-hmm. and I met my one of my teachers, we were doing online school, right? I met him at my graduation. He was like, are you Duhaji, the one <laughs> I know? Because my writing and everything on paper was just perfect. Yeah. And then he met me, I was like, I couldn't even, you know, find my (laughs) words. And he was just blown away by how different I sounded on paper Uh versus on, uh, you know, in real life. So I didn't use uh, TV or movies that much to improve my English. What I did, though, I love being around people. Mm -hmm. I love meeting people. So I would just go out. And talk to people mm. as much as they are willing to you know listen and uh, <laughs> go through the pain of my accent yeah. Uh, but yeah uh, I pretty much just went out and talked to people okay. and after that we I got a fair child and one of the most amazing thing in the United States Air Force uh, is the people mm-hmm. you know not one but the most amazing people is mm-hmm. the pe- thing is the people and I have met people from all over the United States all over the world with different accents yep. and I got pretty comfortable with my own accent yeah I uh discovered that everyone has some sort of accent oh
0: yeah and if you if you talk to and Chief Hodges if you're listening don't don't get mad at me but if you talk to some people from some parts of Louisiana I can't understand what you're saying <laughs> and I grew up in this country so yeah I, I, I agree with you you start to realize like it's just an accent, yeah. You know, and being matter.
1: around so many people uh, helped me craft my own uh, way of speaking, mm-hmm. and it's been pretty helpful uh, to to pick up the language pretty quick. Okay, so yeah. so you you did it by just getting out there and getting out talking there, people trying and, to talk to people. Okay. Uh, Sometimes i would get crazy. I'll put my phone on record and just talk to myself. Yeah. And reply to myself. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, so this was your first base, then. For first base is my first base. First I got base. here in 2017 June. Okay, June so you. So, it, it, so is is uh,
0: ground trans? And I po- apologize if I call you VOps because that's what we. That's what we it was used to be vehicle. Day, yeah. Vehicle. So ground trans. Yes. Is that
1: tech school still six weeks? Uh, nine
0: weeks. Nine weeks. Yes. Okay, so after 17 weeks, so so you've only been in like three and a half years. I've been in three years. Three years, and you've already—I see—you've already got staff sergeant on. So
1: Um, that's really having a degree Mm -hmm. uh, helped uh, start off as a A one C E three, and then I made BTZ, and then made staff the first time. Okay, well, congrats. That's still
0: really quick, though. Just you know, (laughs) even amongst people who came in as A one C already to have it on in three years is very fast. So good for you. Um, So.
1: Okay, so you've been stationed here for a couple of years. What what do you think of this place? What do you think of Fairchild? It's it's amazing. You know, uh, like you said, um, I'm one of the blessed people in the Air Force to to be staff surgeon after just three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But because of the people, you know, because of leadership and the people who groomed me and the people, yes, I had a dream. I have the drive. And when I talk to them, they... They made sure they helped me. They gave me the tools mm-hmm. and the information I needed. So we love it here uh, in Spokane. In general, I started my fifth business here in Spokane. So what? And so what was the what was the fourth business then? We've talked about three of them. I'm just curious now. What was the fourth <laughs> one? <laughs> so uh, the fifth uh, is uh, actually what I'm currently working on uh, mm-hmm. for really, really future. My something I want to get back to when. Uh, eventually, I'm out of the, the, the Air Force uh, clothing line, active, okay. active wear. And uh, beside that, we are working on... Uh, my wife grew up with her grandmother, and she made soap, handmade natural soap. Okay. So we had... Um, she calls it uh, moon dust. Moon uh, dust? Yeah. And mm-hmm. we are growing that business on the side. Okay. Uh, she, that's my wife's baby. She's working on that. Yeah. Uh, and we've met great people mm-hmm. here in Spokane, in the, you know, community, in the Air Force. Uh, and we are grateful. Fairchild was our first base. Yeah. Did you it's know anything about this area before you got
0: here? No. Nope. Did you nope. put it on your dream sheet in BASIC? Nope. Nope.
1: <laughs> uh, so in BASIC, when we were told to, to put, come up with a dream sheet, uh, not only we had that stress, you know, of being through BMT going on and everything is timed, you have to make, make it quick. Yep. I did not know anything anywhere, I haven't experienced anywhere in the United States mm-hmm. to begin with. Gotcha. So the only place I think I put thank God I didn't get California. <laughs> I put California on my dream shit just because, you know, Hollywood who doesn't know Hollywood? Oh yeah, yeah. I've yeah. read a so much great things about Hollywood, and I thought California was great. I, I apologize to all the people who are from California. <laughs> if you're not from Texas, you're wrong. I'm sorry. But California was... <laughs> well, that's what was- <laughs> I was thinking earlier. It's, uh, you
0: know, of all the states to go to, you went to Texas, which is probably... In the places that I've traveled, whenever people think of Americans, they think of Texans with guns and cowboy hats and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, eh, yeah, it's not like that everywhere. But so you but you went to the, the state to probably go to first
1: to really get the true American you yeah. know, experience. That, that is true, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and also El, pa- El Paso had um, a community and a uh, uh, weather that is somewhere close to what where, where i grew up okay uh, when it comes to no snow
0: right so right. i've
1: never seen the snow until i get to oh, okay. a child okay and um usually you know i just try as much as i can to find something interesting into mm-hmm. anything i cannot change yeah. It, it does snow here. There's nothing you can do about it. So mm-hmm. I started snowboarding. There you go. And I love it. I was it. about to ask you. Yes, yeah, so you got into that. It's yeah. fun, isn't it?
0: It is yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah. I used to do that. I
1: tell time. I always joke, you know, with my wife. I tell her, If you don't snowboard until we leave here, God won't be happy with you. <laughs> <laughs> so she hasn't gotten out in any no. of have you taken your kids out at all? The ones Uh that- no, my daughter was uh she's she turned eight. Uh-huh. Uh, but she was pretty interested in going. But since I wasn't confident my myself yet, mm-hmm. I've never done it. I wanted to get a hands on it before I I take her out. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So
0: so so that's a just, good lesson. Ju-
1: they just slide the first child, Mount, uh, Mount Fairchild. child. Oh, over there by yeah. the gym. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. you know that's a lot of fun too. Have you taken them up to? Um, there's the Bear Creek Lodge, I think. It, and when you go up to Mount Spokane, it's like a tubing hill.
1: Actually, we haven't been there yet. Okay, uh, it's we, fun. We, we were planning to, yeah. to...
0: I think it's like 20 bucks per person for an hour, but it's if, if your kids are are into that kind of stuff and they like sliding, it's a really good yeah. time, yeah. So it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's a good lesson. I, I like that you said that because I've been stationed... This is my sixth base, I think, and um, wow. everywhere I've been, people hated it, but I enjoyed it because you do have to get out, like you said. Yeah. Find something that's interesting to you in the area and just just get it yeah whether
1: it. whether you liked it yep. you like it or not the amount of snow that is going to pour down will pour down yeah yeah i mean so. i always tell uh, that was that's one of
0: the biggest questions i get is, is you know everyone always asks me in f Tacom um, you know what was your favorite base and i hate the answer i give them but i, I tell them i don't i don't have one because i've enjoyed everywhere that i've been i would say yeah. so i went from england to uh cheyenne wyoming and i did not want to go there and 2 years into it i was like this place sucks i hate it you know but then i started to really enjoy it there And by the time I left there, I was ready to go be like a rodeo clown and and get into the (laughs) rodeo scene and all that stuff. I mean, obviously I didn't do that, probably probably for a good reason. Um, But yeah, that's a really good lesson that that you just, yeah, you just find
1: something, get
0: into it. um, There's always, there's always, and
1: the most important thing is to allowing ourselves to go out there and try. Mm -hmm. Usually some stuff we have our mindset on them, you will be surprised how you feel after you try I agree yeah absolutely yeah, so
0: so what, what are what's in, what's in plans for the future so you've got two degrees now and you have to excuse my ignorance does the does your degree from
1: Togo does that recognize over here? So I had to uh, do what we call the evaluation of my degree here mm-hmm. and it didn't come up close ah, okay, so yeah. uh, in the United States educational system, mm-hmm. my degree is an associate. Gotcha. Uh, So technically, I have an associate in civil engineering and a bachelor in uh, business analysis and management. Okay. And I'm currently working on my master's. Okay. What's your master's in? Management with a concentration in uh, executive coaching. Okay. Um, What What are
0: your plans? What What do you want to do from here?
1: Um, From here, I want a commission. Okay. Um, I want a commission and. Eventually, I also want to get into public speaking. Mm-hmm. I love pushing people to, to, to uh, grow, yeah. uh, to get the best out of life. So I want to be able to get out there, share my story, uh, and encourage people to, to share theirs too, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, be able to just inspire and encourage people uh, all over the place to, to, to live a better life mm-hmm. whatnot. So uh, eventually I want to become a public speaker. Um, and it's funny for someone who struggles with English, but <laughs> yeah, I, think you're fine. I hope I'll get there. Yeah, I think you're fine. Um, so
0: were, was it hard for you at first to be sharing your story? Because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first person who you've talked to about this.
1: It was hard yeah. for me to share at first. Because I didn't think it's, I don't think it's anything special Mm -hmm. because everyone's story is special. Mm -hmm. Uh, You never know until they start telling you their story. Uh, And on on top of that, sometimes it just feels to me like I'm bragging, uh, like I'm trying to say, Oh, I've had it too hard or things like that until I read There to Lead by Mm -hmm. Brennan Brown. And I was like, well, you know, I'll just put myself out there. Mm -hmm. And my leadership here when I got to Fairchild, uh, Sergeant um, Sergeant Palacio, uh, Sergeant uh, Hacto, and Sergeant, uh, come on, I'm having a brain fart. Anyway, my leadership (laughs) was so supportive, and when. You know, like they wanted to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And when I started sharing my story, they were like, wow, wow. I'm like, what's amazing about it? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, they got me uh, this uh, nonstop sergeant, Landa Verde. She contacted me from PA. She made a, she wrote a paper on my story. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, Crem2 came in. They made a documentary on me that aired on TV. Um, and things just snowballed from there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and from there, uh, out of all the feedback I received and uh, how people uh, were, was uh, responding to my story, I felt like I should share it more with a, a more wide audience. Yeah. I mean, you know, it- it is hard to
0: you're you're humble so that i understand why you you well, think that. Sure saying um, that but well you know but it is it's hard to see sometimes that your your story i think you're right everyone does have a good have a story to share everyone goes through struggles um, but some are are a little more
1: motivational than others you know what i think i think if there was a A device that can measure how we feel. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: How we feel, how we, when we go through things, I think there will be a lot of similarity between how we feel. And for that reason, and on top of that, I think if there's anything in your life worth bragging about it, you won't need to do it because other people will do it for you. Yeah. So, but you, what I, what I
0: hope you do see and in all this is, you know, yes, you're right. Everyone has struggles, right? But when, when I listen to your story, it's not the struggles that, that I want to hear that like make me go, wow, this is a great story. It's the fearlessness that you've shown going, moving to another town. Well away from your parents as, what were you, 13, 14, 15 years old probably? To uh, go to high school. Yeah. Okay. Uh, breaking into an apartment that you could have gotten arrested and sent to prison for, or jail, I'm sure, you know, eventually. Yeah. After, um, you know, legal process and all that. Then uh, starting your own businesses, multiple in Africa, traveling all over the, the continent to build bridges and, and schools and yeah. whatever, you know, all the stuff that you were doing. Then you come to the U.S. and you can't speak the language Going to Texas of all places, and then (laughs) right off nothing again. I I live in Texas for four years. I love that place. I'm just saying, like that—that's the you know—that's probably the most American state that I've—I've traveled to, which is awesome. (laughs) Anyways, um, but then two weeks later, you're starting your own business. Then you decide you want to join the Air Force, and you go into basic training again. Not really being able to speak any English, so the pattern I'm seeing is just the fearlessness of you putting yourself out there and not worrying about. Oh, what if this doesn't work out or what if that doesn't work out? So that to me is the inspiring part of your story. It's to be a little more fearless in my own life and take chances and not worry about, you know, oh, this. these are all those terrible outcomes. Because my whole career I've been an emergency manager, so my brain is trained to think of all the worst things that could happen and yeah. plan for them. Yeah. So I'm trying – I am personally trying to work on stop that. Like what are the positive things that could happen yeah. out of this? So you seem to be – so I guess I'll say two things, the fearlessness and then the optimism – with what you operate, I think is why I think your story is amazing. So just to kind of put it into perspective, I don't, I can't speak for everybody, but that's just my own personal views. I yeah,
1: appreciate so that. So that's
0: what you, when you share your story, I feel like that's what people are probably looking at. Is is um, again the struggles, yes, but how you were, how you just you were optimistic the entire thing, and here you are, and you're probably going to commission soon. And you know it's it's Hopefully. a really interesting path. So yeah. So yeah. Um, anyway, just just to let you know, um, if you if you ever have doubts about your story, I, I think that's where your story does a lot of good. So
1: thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate that. Okay. So, officer, um, what career field do you want to go into? Um, I my biggest dream was planes, so I wanted to fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you know, there th- there are some times in life that you.
0: Look yourself
1: in the mirror and tell the truth to yourself. I don't think I'll be a good pilot. So <laughs> why, why, why do you say that? <laughs> I mean, for, for so many reasons. Uh, and okay, and um, so don't, don't be too humble though to where <laughs> to where you're gonna hold yourself back. I just throw that out there too. No, but uh, I I think I truly wanna uh, put my people skill uh, to service mm-hmm. and. Um, serve the air force better uh by doing something that is not and, and again maybe this is just um uh, this is not like an actual reason or just some excuses but i just generally feel that uh i will do i'll bring my best to the air force in some other career field than flying okay but uh, i still want to achieve that you know Dream I had being a kid, uh, and eventually I'm gonna try to get a, you know, private license just to fly some little jets. Yeah. Um, yeah. But okay. um, as of now, I applied for OTS last year. Oh, I didn't uh, get it. No. Um. But uh, I'm keep. I'm gonna keep trying. Yeah. Until I get it. Um, or, I mean, you've
0: only been in three years. So you've got you've got some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is true. But yeah. you know, my age is against me. Probably. Yeah, probably that's true. Uh, well, I think for flying jobs,
1: anyways. But I, I think other yeah, jobs last year is, is fine, I yeah. had I needed a waiver uh, to be able to apply for uh, rated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I, I have spent time. I had an opportunity to fly. Uh, you know, with. Uh, on KC one thirty five, I flew. I flew on helicopters with the Air National Guard. Mm-hmm. I flew on little jets and spent time talking to pilots and asking them, you know, uh, why do you do this? How do you feel? What What are some pros and cons on in your career field? And uh, after going through all that, I just decided uh, not to go rated anymore. Okay. Yeah. So. So you applied for rated jobs last time then? Um, I applied I, I did not apply for rated, I applied okay. for a um, non rated gotcha. board. Okay. Last year.
0: Well yeah, just you know, keep trying and I mean you're like I said, you're moving up quickly anyway, so even if you don't become an officer, I see you probably probably doing other great things on the enlisted side, so that's that's actually pretty good. Whether
1: <laughs> you wear your rank on your sleeves or your uh, shoulder it, it is at the end of the day is taking care of the people leading the people mm-hmm. and getting the mission done hmm absolutely so uh, I, I I'll be proud to, to be an airman wherever yeah I am. yeah that's great um, are there any plans to try a PCS or are you
0: want to stay stick around here for a while
1: uh, I just got this position uh, This great Tremendous, awesome position uh, that I'm truly, truly uh, grateful for, and I'm not sure how long it's gonna take, but somewhere between a year and a year and a half. So, uh, from there, then I will be probably looking to get out. Yeah, yeah. Where do you want to go? No idea. Whatever they're forced tell st- <laughs> you know takes me. Okay. Uh, I'll be more than happy to go. Have you? I mean, obviously with if COVID, I if I had experience, you know, if I knew the country, I would. Be able to be like, hey, I want to go here. And something I could do that I stopped myself from doing uh, was to ask for people's opinion. Mm -hmm. But what people told me about Spokane and what I'm experiencing is so different that I don't want to have... I want to go there and see and build my own opinion of every place. So whenever I go... I will be more than happy to go discover and make, yeah. my own, make my own opinion on it. If there's one thing that I've learned over 17 years,
0: anyone who will tell you their opinion of a place, usually I don't pay attention to it because it's usually negative and they hated it and they, yeah. they have to just share with you how much they hated it. Uh, the folks that you kind of have to ask their opinion yeah. are usually a little more. I
1: told a friend a when more, I got first Um I told a friend about it, he's like, you're going to Spokane in the Pacific <laughs> North, Northwest. It rains all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do nothing. Yeah. I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's what we heard too. But then you get here and that's, that's Seattle and <laughs> the one South of, of
1: the <laughs> one of the most amazing place on the planet where you have all four seasons mm-hmm. where you can experience outdoor activities. Yep. And I just love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's great here.
0: Um, Okay, so you don't really have any plans,
1: and that's good. That's good. So you I, I, just have kinda go I have plans. I have plans. as far as where but, you want a PCS, where too, I, I, mean, a PCS yeah. I don't think the where is important. is what I'm taking there that is important. Yeah. So it's yeah. just it's interesting to me, um, you know. So I've been overseas and
0: stateside. Uh, the stateside bases that I've been to are well, this one, uh, FE Warren in Wyoming, and then San Antonio at Lackland. Mm-hmm. and people would talk about Wyoming like it was this terrible place to be, but <laughs> I felt like camaraderie was much better there because there was nothing around there, really. You know what I mean? And you yeah. weren't in a big city. You weren't close to anything. Uh-huh. So for holidays and things like that, our everyone in our shop would tend to celebrate together. Um, then, of course, when you go overseas, it's the same way because everyone – So you, you, have you, each other. you
1: have the opportunity to connect more. right? To, to have when that. I got to
0: Lackland, because there's so much to do, that camaraderie is still there, but it's not as it's not as is uh, like big. It's not as prevalent, and it's not, in my opinion, it was fun to be stationed there. But I kind of missed the camaraderie of those other bases because there was so much stuff to do. You know, on, on the holidays, people would be out and about doing things, and they wouldn't yeah. really want to come hang out at anyone's house. Mm-hmm. So that, to me, is kind of the interesting like trade-offs. There are trade-offs no matter where you go. You kind of you know you go to a small town, you do give up. The city life but then you get this camaraderie but then you go station near a city you there's more stuff to do but you kind of give up the camaraderie of your flight so yeah um that's just one thing that i've noticed over the years so that is so true yeah Yeah. so okay um and i understand that you have your own facebook page as well that you help mentor and, and help people yes. make
1: decisions yes so um um i decided to help Young, young people. I started with people back in Togo. Mm-hmm. I focused on them because I can relate to what they, they are going through. And my own experience, I wanted to share that with them, not only to give them hope, but also show them exactly what I did to get mm-hmm. where I, I am today. So they can also, uh, you know, strive for greater things too. And out of uh, a try, Uh, right now I am getting close to 20,000 people uh, on my Facebook page where I share uh, things about entrepreneurship and uh, pretty much uh, motivational Mm contents with them and then it just grew from there from Togo to Benin and then it went over Africa and then I started getting message uh, uh, people uh, contacting me from Asia People contacting me from the United States and people contacting me from Europe, which is crazy. And, uh, um, you know, I started this uh, YouTube channel called Frontline Entrepreneurs, where I I am planning to start uh, hosting and having people uh, share their story, share their tips, and just my way to, to give back to Uh, my community back there and try my best to help. So I I have mentored a few people who moved to the United States to, and to enlist as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I consistently, uh, help people, uh, enlist, give them direction, give, share with them my own experience. And, um, it's, it's been something that makes me feel, uh, useful to the world so okay. i just want to keep doing that and what's the name of the facebook page for those who are listening the facebook page is just uh ko but if you want to find it it's at Kofi fi duhaji in one word okay so and Kofi is spelled k-o-f-i F-I, yes and then what's the name of your
0: youtube channel again it's uh frontline entrepreneurs, frontline entrepreneurs. okay yes um so what's the driving factor
1: there behind all that uh, the driving factor is just to to contribute to the world, okay. to to make a difference. I know um, uh, most of the time, uh, a lot of young people back in Africa, they they will have you know uh, financial needs. Sometimes I do help a little, but most of the time I'd rather help you go uh, learn how to fish than giving right. you giving uh, fish, you fish. fish. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I. The drive is to, to be able, you know, knowing where I started from and how hard and r- rough it was to to live on fruits only, mm-hmm. how tough it was to have one meal in days. Yeah. Uh, I just feel for those who are still going through that. And I think this is my way to help them uh, find their own way to and easy uh, their, their life. Yeah. And I mean, that, that kind of brings up another
0: point is, you know, even just, just those two aspects you just talked about, being undernourished, basically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, your, your your brain's not firing the way it should be. So imagine if you had all that stuff, like, I wonder if it would have been a lot easier, a, a, lot, a lot easier. A lot
1: throughout my entrepreneur adventure, just the venture aspect of everything, yeah. Throughout my entrepreneur adventure, I was looking for people to, to, to you know, learn from, to, to help me. But when I find them, sometimes they are from a different country and their realities are different. I couldn't apply that where I was, uh, uh, you know, growing my business uh, or when I find them, they just do things randomly. They don't have any specific advice to give me, yeah. any method to, to to teach me. Or when I find them, they are expensive as hell. Uh-huh. So I wanna fix that for those young people who are where I used to be. Yeah, I wanna give them as much as infor- uh, as much as possible of information for them to make informed decision and. I want to make sure they know uh, this is someone who was just like you. I'm no different. So if they can relate to me, maybe that will help them better believe in themselves a little more Mm -hmm. and be able to push forward. Okay. So I think we've pretty much
0: hit all the the questions that I had for you. Um, and we are coming up you know, just over an hour. So um, what what are two pieces of advice you'd like to leave everybody with?
1: Two pieces of advice? Well, I, I don't give advice. I share information mm-hmm. because we have different lives. Two, two takeaways then. For, take-aways, for okay. Two takeaways. Yeah. Two takeaways. Two uh, takeaways. Don't take anyone's opinion for granted. Get out. Do the work. And build your your own. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're living in an era where uh, media and all the social media. Uh, there's a lot of fake news. There's a lot of things that are not real. Re- uh, um, uh, how do you say that? Reliable, mm-hmm. right? A lot of news that are not reliable. I can right now take a picture of you, make it faded away. And put some random story about World War II on there mm-hmm. and throw that on social media. And if that gets viral, some people, that will be their truth. Yep. And there are so many out, yeah. so many stories Absolutely. out there like that. So I want us to be able to, to get out there and do the research ourselves and build our own opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, um, uh, second takeaway, life is a choice yes we we live in a world where things are not perfect but still we can live a happy life Mm -hmm. while you're uh, striving to get to a better place stop in 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 the you know uh, on the side of the road and enjoy the flowers yeah you know stop on the side of the road and enjoy the river flowing down the bridge you know it's important because when you keep yourself happy Uh, you tend to get more happiness uh, your way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So um, be happy. Choose to be. Yeah. Uh, Choose to be happy and challenge yourself. Challenge yourself. Most of the time, I would do things that popped in my head like, oh, I can do this, and then I'll go for that. Mm -hmm. I'll go give it a try. So if you tell yourself you can't do it, that's more of a reason for you to try
0: it than because yes. you wanna prove yourself wrong. Yes. Gotcha. Okay.
1: Anything that will come to my mind that I think I cannot do, I always wonder why. Why am I having that random thought about that? Mm-hmm. As much as long as I have the means to try it, I will try it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So try new things. Be uh be, stay hungry mm-hmm. uh, and for us as airmen it's important to stay fit and yep. that's something I really really I, I am a huge advocate of that it's not easy but you know that's what we we signed for yep we need to stay fit so uh, I invite everyone uh, Chief Hadjie started this uh, Fairchild 120 mm-hmm. uh, and it's been a great adventure so far uh, and I think that has been a huge um, help for so many people to uh, stay active and fit in this time specifically. We are going through a pandemic and we are not, we haven't been testing for PT yet. Mm -hmm. So uh, I invite all of us to, to stay active and not be surprised when PT season hit back again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one too. So definitely some good pieces,
1: good takeaways there.
0: Um, well, Sergeant Haji, I appreciate your time. I know you're you're very busy working up at the wing headquarters the office there. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you I'm sure you guys are busy. <laughs> I know you get a lot of emails and phone calls from me throughout the day. And that's just one person. So uh once again, I appreciate you sitting down and sharing your story with us. Um and and like I said, don't don't ever think that it's not a great story because it is. Um you had you there's a lot of lessons to be learned there. Uh so I appreciate that. And um if you ever need anything from me, of course, you know, don't hesitate to to
1: call me. Thank you so much, Master Sergeant Barrett, for the opportunity and this great uh, chat we had. I appreciate it, and I hope uh, our folks will take some stuff away from it.
0: Yeah, well, you. you
1: know, I'm hoping this is kind of a catalyst
0: to get some other uh, younger airmen on the base, and I say big A airmen, um, to, to step forward and want to talk to me on this podcast, because I would love to start doing that. So hopefully you can uh, catapult that that process and let everybody see that I'm not just – I'm not just talking to, to base leadership you know, um, in the official capacity. I would like to talk to anybody, really, that has awesome. something to offer. So. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, Sergeant Duhaji, um, and to everyone listening, appreciate that as well, and until next time. Well, that's it for this episode of Refuel Team Fairchild. If you have show ideas, people you'd like to hear from, or if you'd like to be on the podcast, contact us at fafbcaa at gmail dot com.